Log Talk Radio.
try this. David, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yes. Ah, okay. I don't know what happened. I did the entire introduction, and I tried to get you, and you're so quiet because you could not hear me, and I do not know what is happening with the sound. So I'm actually calling in, but we're able to do the show, which is fine. So that's good. That works. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'll just, I'll I'll start start with with the question. I'll I'll start start with your introduction. introduction. (laughs) Did you hear any of what I said at all? No. Oh, okay. okay. This is all. That's not good. All right. Well, I'll start with just your part because that's the most important. My guest is David Kuntz, a man who has enjoyed several careers, including 19 years as a Catholic priest, 20 years in the practice of psychotherapy, and has taught courses on managing stress and emotional health as well as writing. He has graduate degrees in psychology and theology and a doctorate in pastoral psychology. David has authored seven books, including Quiet Mind, Moments in Between, Awakened Mind, and his most recent, our topic for this discussion, The Art of Stopping, How to Be Still When You Have to Keep Going. Welcome to the show, David. Once again, thank, thank you for thank you. Great time to be here. joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I'm doing great today, thanks. Glad to be with you. <laughs> it seems like your book, Quiet, Mom, Quiet Mind, Moments in between an awakened mind is what happened at the beginning of the show. <laughs> when no one could okay. hear me speaking. <laughs> you know, your book, The Art of Stopping, it just came out on January 19th. It is not about the kind of stopping we've all been forced to do for the past year, but rather it's about stopping willingly with measure and mindfulness and purpose to find serenity in our lives, something we most certainly all need at this time. And the subtitle of your book is How to Be Still When You you Have to Keep Going. And that right. certainly applies, perhaps even more so during a pandemic when we needed to learn and, quite frankly, still are learning new ways to keep going. Did you write this because you saw a greater need more than ever before for people to find stillness so they could keep going, even though they were faced with so many constrictions and mandates, and moving forward seemed impossible for them? Yes, well, that's certainly part of the motivation for writing it, T.E.S., by all means, especially as we're all enduring this pandemic and lockdowns and quarantines and all kinds of things we're not used to. But to be honest with you, the really the reason that I wrote the book originally was my own midlife crisis, um, and uh, so I can go into that a little bit if you want. Sure, absolutely. I was going to ask you how it was that you came to write this. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, I was a clergyman, and, and to all extents and purposes, I, I uh, was happy doing my work. Uh, and then all of a sudden, well, I wasn't. Uh, the, my life sort of my my life sort of fell apart. I was not feeling uh, fulfilled in my work and my vocation. And uh, in other words, I was really hitting sort of rock bottom. And I wasn't used to that. I was generally busy and happy, and things were going along great. Anyway, what I did at that time is I went away. I'm here in California, and I went to the north coast of California and rented a tiny cabin for a month. 
and basically I did nothing. I, I, I cooked my own simple meals. I walked on the beach. I took a few classes in uh, watercolor painting and made some terrible pictures of the North Coast. And, but basically I did nothing. And it was only after that experience, after I went back to my life, that stopping came to be. I realized what I had done and why it was important. So that was my primary motivation. You know, the art of stopping is indeed an art. It's one that takes practice. But, but I think that once you have the practice in place and you understand how to use the practice, it really is quite simple. And that makes sense as whatever it is we practice does become simpler and easier. We all know that. So you know how you, you came to this place of learning to stop, but how did you really learn to do the stop? Well, you know, it really came with practice and with refining what I really was trying to understand and trying to, to give to other people. And maybe the best way to understand stopping is to just ask the question, okay, what do you mean by stopping? What is stopping? So mm-hmm. I define stopping by saying it's doing nothing as much as possible for a short time or a long time for the purpose of waking up remembering who you are and what you want. So stopping is being still for a short or a long time for the purpose of becoming more awake and remembering the things you want to remember and to remember who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and if you want to keep doing what you're doing. So its its goal is to help us know our inner truth. The goal of stopping, I like to put it this way, stopping is for going. The purpose of stopping is that when when we're going, when we're doing all the things we have to do in life, that we're going in the direction that we want, and we're going with the people that we want along with us, and we're going with the work that is fulfilling. In other words, that we're on the right path. There's nothing worse than your going is wrong. You're, you're moving, but you're not achieving. And uh, stopping, the whole purpose of stopping is to help you know what you want and how to achieve it. That's the only really, the, the only really valid purpose of stopping is that. So I divide stopping into, into three parts. It, it, they're arbitrary parts. You, you don't have to use this. But I divide it into still points, stopovers, and grinding halts. And, and as you might guess, that's divided uh, according to the amount of time you do it. Still points, let's begin there because that's the basis of stopping. Still points are uh, taking a time of doing nothing for a few seconds, a few moments, maybe a half hour or an hour in order to be still, turn your energy in, and relax. It's so simple. <laughs> It's so simple that it's really hard to to communicate the power of doing nothing. And as you, I'm sure you know, the the whole concept of doing nothing is very countercultural. It's uh, our, our culture does not encourage us to do nothing. It, in fact, it encourages us to keep busy, to achieve, to do things, to get things done, 
And we of the we of this country in this country and in the Western culture, we're very good at that. We're good at getting things done. We we get a lot done. We're 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 good at that. What we're not so good at is knowing what it is we eventually want for ourselves and our lives and our families and 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 it's 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 the story of the the executive for example who is climbing the ladder of success and he climbs and he climbs or she and she gets to the top and she realizes that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall and that's what we want to avoid we want to avoid waking up someday when we're older maybe very old in some cold gray morning and realize oh boy what what did I do? What, how, how did how did I miss what I really wanted to be and wanted to do? That's sure. that's the reason. That's the reason for stopping. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know people, people who never stop. stop. They, they just keep going and going. Yes. But yes. they don't yes. take time to enjoy life. And you, you know, just like you said, the saying, "No one ever lays on their deathbed speaking the words I wish I worked longer or harder." It's right. time lost that you cannot get back. And to me, time. Is our most precious commodity. We don't yes, know how much is. we get. Indeed. We, we need to yeah. spend it wisely because we don't know when we're going to run out of it. So finding stillness and stopping, taking that break so we can keep going is essential to ourselves, relationship building, fostering love. And, well, that's really all that matters anyway is love. But to many, love takes a back seat. And part of that mm-hmm. is due to how we've been programmed. We mm-hmm. work hard. Mm-hmm. You have to work hard. You have to make a living. You have to do something with your life, and you'll have time for fun later. But life That's doesn't right. always work that way. You know, no, you work it doesn't. Hard. And also, also what happens is very often what we do is we say, well, oh, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my kids. Uh, uh, so that it sort of excuses excuses the, the uh, avoidance of being still and knowing your inner life. The inner life is what we need so desperately. And my, my conviction, the basis of stopping, in other words, why does stopping work? Why does doing nothing actually uh, become beneficial for you? And the reason I believe that it's based on is we all carry within us the knowledge and the wisdom that we need to live our life. It's all, it's, we have it. We, each, each one of us has it. And it's it's interior, but it it's subtle at times, and it's sometimes very difficult because of the incredible distractions of the world to hear those inner voices. The inner voices sometimes are are quieter or not so uh, demanding. And to hear, to access that inner wisdom, we must be still. Yeah. And that you know, and that's you know, and, people are. I fully understand the concept that doing nothing is actually doing something because it is. It, is. it sounds it so is. counterintuitive, but if it you does. think about it, it makes sense because you are doing something. You're trying to tune into your authentic self, what you're supposed to be doing, and how you're supposed to be interacting with others while you're here because, you know, let's face it, life is short. No matter how much time you get, life is short. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then what what I encourage people to do is to, is to begin, with, if somebody were to say, okay, how do I start doing this? Begin with those still points. So you're going through your day. Um, take a, Stop a moment if you're at your desk or you're at, at your work or you're at home with your kids or you're trying to juggle 
as so many people are today, juggle a job and, and homeschooling and all that. I, I, my heart goes out to so many parents in this, in this COVID time of trying to juggle all those responsibilities. It must be immensely challenging. Mm. So, okay, so you're in the middle of your day. Whatever your day is, whatever it is, it's your day. Okay, at the beginning of your day, in the middle of the morning, say, take a couple of minutes for yourself. And what you're tempted to think maybe is, well, a couple of minutes, what's that going to do? Well, a couple of minutes maybe in themselves. (laughs) Right. I know it can be a lot when you've got kids and jobs screaming at you all the time. But if you can take a couple of minutes and do that maybe four, five, 10, 15, 20 times in a day, then you're going to come to the end of your day much more refreshed. I guarantee that because you have those... And, and people don't believe that. They don't realize that when when people tell me, gee, I don't have time to meditate, I will tell mm-hmm. them, you don't have time not to meditate because you gain exactly. so much more time. Yeah. You are not reacting. You are yeah. coming from your heart more and you're, you're using your intuition more and you're able to make decisions in a better way and be more organized and you're not as stressed. And stress stops us. It slows us down. So I find... You know, breathing techniques like either diaphragmatic breathing or alternate nostril breathing really helps to bring stillness, not to mention absolutely, absolutely. blood pressure, you know, at least in the short term. So you, you find those to be good techniques as well in those couple of absolutely, minutes, correct? Absolutely. Diaphragmatic breathing is a great thing to do in a still point. Just take a couple mm-hmm. of deep breaths. And uh, one of the things I like to encourage people to do is go to the bathroom, go into the bathroom. And if you can lock the door, all the better. And just look in the mirror (laughs) and tell yourself what you need to hear. Give yourself a bit of an affirmation or simply just uh, put a little cold water on your wrists and and close your eyes and be still. Turn in, be silent. And yep. that will, that will, that will do, that will help you, especially if you build those up during the day. And then, of course, yeah. what, the, what the hope is, uh, and this I find almost always is the case, once you've mastered the idea of doing these still points in your day, then you're going to want some more time to do nothing because these are so delicious. You're going to think, right. hmm, how can I get an afternoon to do this? How can I get maybe even a weekend uh, or a day? Uh, to to go away. And in the book, I have uh, uh, several examples of people who who do that, who take a day or a weekend or uh, some longer amount of time, a stopover that I call it, and um, just spend time being silent and listening internally. And the results are amazing. The results are uh, very, very encouraging and very heartening for people who do them. They're also it's scientific, scientifically based because in this country, in the United States, we do not take still points, we do not take stopovers, and we many people do not take grinding halts until they're forced to, and by that I mean hospitalization for some reason. You're exactly right. The, yes, you're, yeah, that's, the difference that's, is that in foreign countries, you know, I remember the first time I went to Italy, walking around, we're in Milan, walking around, and we were able to shop, and then all of a sudden, for two hours, we were not able to shop. Yes. Because everybody closes down, and it's, it's two hours to four hours. Right. Like, wow, this is crazy good. These people know how to live because that right. allows exactly. you to live. It's so true. And, yeah. yes, in grinding, grind, speaking of grinding halts, 
But, you know, for a lot of people, they'll probably never do a grinding halt. And for a lot of people, that might be okay. But as you mentioned, so often the grinding halt comes in the form of sickness. And that's mm-hmm. not a good way to do a grinding halt because you're sick. And when you're sick, you know you're sick. That's what you focus on, what you have to focus on. So before you're sick, people have taken like week-long silent retreats, uh, go away on uh, on, a, on a, uh, a weekend away or whatever, like I did when I had my crisis, went to the North Coast and rented a cabin. Um, now, most people, especially the people that stopping is aiming at, the busy people of the world, uh, they can't take a, they can't take a week, they can't take a month, and so uh, unless it's on vacation and tell you the truth, on vacation, some people uh, are busier than when they're not on vacation. They're, sure, they're go, 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 all the time. Yep. So if you can... Yeah, they have family, vacation, so, you know, that's a lot of work to be able to keep the kids entertained. You don't really have the downtime for the parents, and those are the people who need it more than the kids, you know? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, it's challenging. I don't want to be glib here because I really, really respect... Uh, the parents who are coping with all this stuff. But I tell you, what I would say is you can't afford, as you said, I think you said earlier, you can't afford not to stop because yeah. if, you, if you don't stop, it, it's likely that you will take on the values of the culture in which you live, which is not so great a deal because mainly because they're not yours. <laughs> you know, they might, That's not even the worst may, of it, though. Well, exactly. you know, it's one thing to take on the cultures of, of society. It's another thing to not stop to the point where now you're sick and you can't do things. You can't travel. You mm-hmm. have issues that you can't do a lot of things, so you're just sitting around. What fun are you? Who wants yeah, what to fun be are you? you? Exactly. No and what have you accomplished? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what have you accomplished? You, don't, you, know, you might not have family. You might not have friends. You, I mean, what do you have? What do you uh-huh. have to show for your life other than that you worked your butt off? to get mm-hmm. where you are now, it's sad, it's pathetic. And yes. it's really, it's a shame that people can't, you know, vacations are important. Every other country in the world, they take them, and they take way more than the United States gives. You know, one mm-hmm. or two weeks, maybe a month people get, and they don't take the time off. But in other countries, you know, it's like every every two or three months, everybody gets a week off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, wow, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we know we... We we don't as I said what we what we emphasize is go go go, and yeah. uh, that's what that's what's gotten us into trouble. Yep, and people think well look at where the country is. I mean we're the greatest country in the world. Well we were the greatest country in the world. I I have my doubts about that right now. There's you know, yeah, a lot of things going on and no you know, no I think we I think we have to give up that uh, that American yeah, exceptionalism. Yeah, attitude. That, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work you know, for us. No, it does not, and it doesn't work for us as a country. It doesn't work for us as individuals. It's right. certainly not helping us as a culture to find peace amongst people. You know, in right. other countries, they don't have the huge issues that we have here. They don't. We're mm-hmm. so far behind. We're so lagging behind on many of these things where, you know, you don't see racism in, in England. Why do we see it here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are so many things, and, and that brings me to a point where in your book you talk about how different the still points, the stopovers, and the grinding halts are. And we, we know how they're different, but when we speak of mindfulness, it seems to me, you know, you have to be mindful in order to recognize the need to be still or to stop. So while they are indeed different from mindfulness, 
to me, mindfulness is key in the practice of stopping because, and again, this is just my perspective, mindfulness is or or, or rather ought to be how we go about our daily life, being mindful mm-hmm. of all that we do so we know when we need to stop and come to stillness because we're, we're still learning that. That's a practice. So you have to be mindful to do it. Yes. Does that, yeah. does that make sense to you? It, it makes perfect sense. I think you've explained it very well. Another way to say it is that uh, mindfulness can be the result of stopping. In other words, once you've actually done some stopping, it leads you to mindfulness of being aware of the present moment, of being the importance, seeing the importance. For example, when if your child comes to you and shows you a leaf and says, "Oh, isn't this wonderful?" It's to it's to be present to that moment and enjoy that moment and and not say, oh, you know, don't bother me, I'm working. Um, it's to open your eyes to the moment that you're in. So, yes, stopping leads us to mindfulness. Stopping is a form of meditation that is very yes. simple and, and uh, uh, actually adapted to the Western mind and the Western lifestyle. So many people that I talk to say, you know, I've tried to meditate. I want to meditate. I like the idea of meditation, <laughs> but I don't do it. And, yep. okay, so I'm saying, okay, so try stopping. Begin with still points. And no one will even notice you're doing them. You, I very often, I used to do um, much more than I do now. I used to do presentations and seminars on stress management for nurses especially. And mm. during the presentations that I, I it was a day-long seminar, I would do still points all the time. And no one would realize at all that I just did a, a, a very, very quick little still point. I just took a, two, a couple of breaths. No one mm-hmm. was aware that I was doing it. So yeah. it's, it's really, you really can do it. You can put still points into your life. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care. Uh, you know, you can put still points into your life. And Absolutely. then what happens, as I mentioned before, still points, the results of still points are so uh, appreciated and loved that you, you will motivate yourself to take stopovers. You will you will cross out next Thursday morning on your calendar and say nobody's going to bother me. I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to the local park and walk and sit and and just look. Um, so, but 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 you'll be motivated to do that by the still points that you gather into your life. And as you said, you can do them anywhere. I mean, in the shower. Uh-huh. You know, it's a great place, the water. Let all that stress just run off of you and go down the drain. Great place Perfect. for a still point. Perfect, um, yes. stop over, if you will, too, because you can take a longer shower, you know. So right. mindfulness, right. stopping leads to mindfulness, and mindfulness leads to stopping. So it's it's okay. a wonderful, vicious circle, if I can use that phrase. <laughs> it's, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful circle. vicious circle. I like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> It really good. works well. Yeah. I think that, you know, Human beings are are an incredibly resilient species. We're naturally wired to move on from most challenges and pain, whether it's on Mm -hmm. our own or with help. It's really quite remarkable. We've seen examples of it over and over again, particularly during this past year in the way business has been conducted, uh, schools have adapted, uh, the way that we shop, procuring groceries. uh, People figure it out. And part of that, I think, 
is due to the fact that when we're thrown into challenging situations such as we are, we don't have a choice but to figure it out. And having said that, to meet the challenges, is it fair to say that we do, perhaps unconsciously, completely unaware, we stop, maybe not artfully, but we do stop to figure out our next step? Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yes, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it is very natural to 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 human life to to stop and then go and stop and then go and take a rest and do your work. It, it is. It's very natural to our cycle. But what happens is the culture, the the values of our culture creep in and have a very very strong influence, especially here in the West, where we have to achieve, we have to make money, we have to. Uh, compete we you know we have to keep up on the latest thing and you know it's very very that's why it's so challenging to put this into our life because the it's as i said earlier it's very countercultural. it's not rewarded Uh, if if you were to tell a friend i'm going to take a stopover and i'm going to go and going to sit in the park for three hours or i'm going to walk around the park for three hours you know she might look at you and say what would you do that for? That's that's crazy. I can think of a lot of things I'd rather do with three hours, because it's it's not a cultural value. So so this is a, this is a bit of a fight, okay? This is a it bit is. of a radical thing to do. Um, it is. It's, it's also a, a a bit of a competition because yes. I can't tell you how many people I know. Now I stopped my business last March because I work out of my home. I'm uh-huh. you, you weren't able to hear the start of the uh of the introduction, so you don't know what I do for a living, but I'm a board certified integrative um holistic therapist. So oh, okay. um, I work out of my home. Uh-huh. And people lie. <laughs> I mean they'll just say it, they lie. They tell you they're compliant and they're not Oh, I just got off a plane. You need to leave. I asked you these questions, and you said yes, and now you're here, and I'm asking you again, and you're telling me that, you know, you just got off a plane. So I had to close down my business and haven't really done anything except via Zoom, uh, you know, for about a year. Given that, there are people who know this. And in Uh the organizations I belong to, there are people who will literally say, well, I don't know how you have time to do that. I mean, I'm always busy. I'm working harder now that I work at home than before when I went to the office. That uh-huh. is not a true statement. I, I, I will fight anyone on that because okay. I work from home forever. And you can have a, a load of laundry going and be working with people. They can't hear it. And then when they leave, you can go put it in the dryer. And then mm-hmm. the next person after they leave, you can go. You're multitasking without multitasking. You're getting things mm-hmm. done. And you can take breaks when you choose to, and you can have your calendar be the way that you need it to be. So working exactly. from home, you're not working exactly the same way because you're not there waiting for somebody. The phone's not ringing because you haven't forwarded the calls. Some people might have, but it becomes a competition. And I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't know, I'm working harder. And I say, oh, well, that's too bad. You should, you should really try to, you know, harness some time for yourself. It's really good for uh-huh. you. And they just look at me because I'm not buying into the – well, I must right. be superior to you because I'm working harder than you. I just don't yeah, buy it. Yeah, yeah, there, there it is. There it is. That's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. You know, and, and that's a shame. Everything's a competition, and, and everything's not a competition. We all have a journey. None of us know what it is. We're on this ride until somebody stops the ride, <laughs> you know. we right. got to figure it out as you go along. And exactly. It's not, you know, it's not, everybody's different. 
everybody's different, and you know we have to find our calling. I don't know if you're aware of James Hillman. He was a um, uh, a psychologist who wrote a lot, and um, he had a <clears throat> excuse me. He had a theory he called the Acorn Theory, which mm-hmm. is that when when we're little, we're told we have to grow up. And he says, no, when we're little, we should be told we need to grow down. And what he meant by that is to grow down deep inside and to become internal and to know what our calling is and to be aware of what our calling is because uh, uh, it's there. What he calls our calling, I'll call our inner wisdom, the, the wisdom that each one of us uh, is endowed with at birth. We have the inner wisdom that we need. And he says our job is to grow down and to realize that wisdom or that calling or that vocation or whatever we're called to do in this life. He tells a story about um, the singer, oh, what's, oh, Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. When, when Ella Fitzgerald was a girl, she was in a an amateur amateur talent contest, and the the MC introduced her and say, "Now Miss Ella Fitzgerald is going is is going to dance for you." And so Ella comes out and he, she goes up to the MC, whispers in his ear, and he comes back and tells the audience, "No, Miss Fitzgerald has changed her mind. She's going to sing for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 he gives this as an example of realizing your vocation. She 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 found it early. Most of us don't find it that early or find it that easily, but it's there. Forever. Or ever. That's the tragedy. There's yeah. talk about talk about tragedy. Never define your calling. Never. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What sadness. Yeah. It is. So, so yeah. So Ella was lucky, but we all have that same calling, and it may be a more generalized calling, and it may be a very specific calling. It may all who knows all the wonders that are available to to human beings, but the the trick, as you say, is to is to know it, to find it, to follow it. Yeah, yeah, and I am familiar with Dr. Hellman's Acorn Theory, and I find it. Um, fascinating because I, 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 the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, okay, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute, this makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it really does. We, really, when you think about it, if we if we could all grow down and stop growing up, <laughs> yes, we, we'd be a lot yes. better off. And I think a very important piece of this practice of of bringing ourselves, stopping to stillness to to whatever it is we need to do, but stopping, is bringing it to the attention of children and teenagers and young adults. They're the ones mm-hmm. who need it most right now so they can truly integrate it into their lives as they mature. Now, I'm not saying adults don't need it. They certainly do. But they're harder to reach. Children will take to it right away. I know so many little people, and I'm talking like 2 to 10 years old, who literally practice meditation and yoga. Their parents or perhaps a teacher, someone in their life who is significant has introduced these concepts to them, and the kids yes. notice the benefits. Even if they don't understand them, they don't yes. realize they're noticing benefits. They just feel better, and they want to practice, so they can choose. So they choose to practice. You know, yes. how do you see the art of stopping become part of our children's lives? And do you or have you considered perhaps writing a book that speaks directly to children to make it easy for them to incorporate a consistent stopping practice into their lives? Yes, I have thought about it. I have not done it. Um, but you uh, will. 
<laughs> well, okay, that's something for me to consider. <laughs> but 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 I have worked with children and with teens in trying to uh, inculcate the idea of uh, of uh, stopping in in seminars uh, with families. Um, and and you're right, children are natural meditators. Mm. You just you you take a little child and put him or her alone with a few toys or, or just alone with the dog or with nothing and watch them for a while. And, and they, they, they go in and out of uh, make-believe lives or they'll, you, you know, they, they, they get into just that whole concept of accessing whatever is going on in their minds. They're natural yeah. at it, but we, 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 we teach them out of it. We get them out of that. You, you hear teachers saying, uh, as my teachers would say, David, stop daydreaming. Stop looking out the window. Stop. You pay attention to your math, your math homework or so forth. Well, that, of course, that's true. Teachers have to do that. Uh, but at the same time, when I was looking out the window uh, or, or doing something else, I, I was also doing something maybe that's important. Yeah. I can remember, I, t- I tell about it in the book, I can remember many, many happy times I had. I was, I'm from Ohio originally, and uh, uh, in northern Ohio, and I used to go with my grandfather <clears throat> out to his pig farm. He had a pig farm, and he would take me out on the farm <clears throat> and sort of let me loose. He had, a, he had things he had to do. He checked with the farmer and checked with the business and so forth. And he just sort of let me loose, and I'd wander around the farm just doing nothing, just fussing around, hanging out. You know, kids don't have that kind of time today. We, we, we schedule them to death, and they don't have that natural kind of time. And I, I feel bad for children that don't have that kind of time or to, or to go, outside, go outside and play. I don't know if parents <laughs> tell their kids that anymore these days. I don't think but, they do. I don't think so either because – well, for one thing, they're afraid to send them outside in some places, mm-hmm. and in other places, they don't think you know they have to have to organize their time, send them to this group or that that hobby, whatever it might be, instead of uh, uh, allowing their minds to give them their recreation and their free time. Well, that and all of the electronic gadgetry that's out there now. I mean, oh people my laugh gosh! Because oh. you know, I don't have an iPhone. I refuse to learn to text. I do not text. You cannot get me via a text. Sorry, okay. just can't. I'm okay, not doing good. It. Yeah, don't good. Want to good for you. Um, good yeah, for you. Yeah, it's too stressful. It was a lifestyle choice, you know. We have so much to learn from our children. See, see, that's a that's a really healthy choice, okay, that you made. That's a good example to your clients and to all of us. Uh, oh no, no people I'm, laugh at me. They think I'm an idiot. Uh yeah, you know, it's like, gee, you've got to get into the 21st century. And I'm like, really? No, I don't. There's not one person, not one person on this planet that needs access to me 24-7. Not okay. one. Mm-hmm. Good. Just me. I need access to me. I'm the most important person in my life. <laughs> and then they look at me like, oh, my God, somebody thinks highly of themselves. That's not it. You have to put you first because I don't care how good a marriage is. I don't care how good a friendship is. Nobody puts you first the way that you do. And the way that I see people putting themselves first and they're not, is really sad. It it's is. Very, very well, I sad. think what happens is that it sounds, when you say that, it sounds to some people that it, like it's selfish, and mm-hmm. it's it's the it's the it's the it's the very opposite of selfishness. It's mm-hmm. allowing your wisdom to be shared with the world. So it is actually a very generous thing 
to, in that sense, the sense you talk about, put yourself first. Uh, yeah. There used to be, when I was a boy, there was a saying that was popular, and I went to a Catholic school, and it's the saying was, I am third. God is first, you are second, and I am third. Okay, so that, and that's a pious saying, and, and I'm not putting it down. Some people, uh, you know, use that, I think, healthily. But it also uh, can tell a child, well, you're not uh, so important. It's not, uh, it's not good to get to give time to yourself, which I think is, is indeed hardful. Yeah. We push our kids. You know, people push their kids. There's a school near me. I run a children's foundation, and we, uh, I, I work with a lot of the schools. And our basic mission is to provide underprivileged children with food, health care, you know, um, Mm-hmm. clothing, that type of thing. And uh-huh. one of the schools that I work with is, uh, let's see, there's a social worker that works there who happened to go to a yoga class when we could do yoga in class in person. <laughs> and uh-huh. I met her there, and she was uh, the social worker at the school. And she told me that in the mornings the kids get there and they do yoga before school. Now, this is a school of, I think it's one to fourth graders. Uh-huh. Maybe fourth graders. These are little people. They're all yes. doing yoga. They're loving it. That, yes, wonderful. They're loving it. And yet it was really hard to get all the parents to sign off because some of the parents feel it's a religion and they oh, want yeah. the child believing in this. And, and it's like there's no speak of God or anything like that. You know, and to me, yoga is a spiritual practice, but it's not a religion. You know? No, not at all. No, yeah. no. Um, so spirituality comes into play, and that's what we are. I mean, if we are really spiritual beings, here having a human experience you know we need to get back to our spiritual being i mean we've been given this gift of life to share whatever the gifts we are with people in this world and the only way they can, we can do that is if we recognize what those gifts are and be mindful about it and truly share them because just existing and working and working and working until the day you die and people have done that yes yeah you can see many examples of it. You know, you bring up spirituality, which which is a very, very important topic to me. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the ways I like to define spirituality is, is, I think it's similar to what you were talking about earlier, is is the meanings and values by which you live your life. And that everybody has a spirituality, not just religious people, not just people mm-hmm. who are involved in some kind of organized religion or have some kind of religious belief. Uh, everybody has meanings and values by which they live. So I think that uh, spirituality has been, uh, maybe not purposefully, but in some ways hijacked uh, and applied only to those who are specifically religious, uh, which, of course, every, in other words, everybody has spirituality, religious yes, or non religious. It's funny you should say that because when I'm teaching seminars, I'm doing seminars or different types of things, spirituality always comes up. And I'll have people say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And right. I'll say, okay, but are you really? I mean, you go to church on Sunday or whatever it is you do, but are you practicing what you're learning in church? Mm-hmm. Are you doing mm-hmm. it? Well, T, you don't even go to church. I'm like, no, I was born and raised Catholic, and no, I don't go to church every Sunday because mm-hmm. it doesn't do it for me. It's a yeah. man up there talking or a woman up there talking, and that mm-hmm. doesn't do it for me. But if in during the week... I'm being as good and kind and compassionate and caring as I can. That, I think, affords me more more for myself purpose in this world than, yes. than going to church for an hour on a Sunday. You know, yeah. that's okay. just 
the way it works for me. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have, I'll use your term, hijacked the word spirituality so that they don't have to acknowledge or they can give an excuse as to why they don't go to church. I don't go to church because it doesn't do it for me. Now, sure, I've been sure. to a lot of different churches, and some of them do. It's like, well, if I lived in this area, maybe I would go to this church. This is, you know, the mm-hmm. person I like right. the way this was run. But it's not about that. It's about being, it's like the temple within, you know, and you have to right. understand what it is that you're, that works for you, and be kind. Just be kind, you know. Right, kind yeah. matters. Nice matters. Yes. And I think one of the things that churches can and often fail at providing is a sense of community. In other words, that we're all in this together and that uh-huh. we have we have one another's backs, that we can uh, support and be kind to one another. I think that's one of the greatest callings of any church. And yes. the, the doctrine and practice aside, doctrine and practice are going to different are going to differ for everybody, and that's fine. If right. doctrine and practice helps you, wonderful. Uh, but as you said, a lot of people, a lot of us, I, I'm, I'm with you, um, uh, don't participate in a particular organized religion. Uh, you know, it's really sad because when COVID started, you know, it was very scary and there was a lot of fear. And I, I look at life with, with two different emotions, fear and love. And love is everything good and fear is everything negative. And uh-huh. I had high hopes as we were traversing through all of this and still are that people would find patience and kindness and compassion toward one another because of the situation that the entire world was in the entire yeah. world was in this situation and yet as the year progressed i thought we are not learning anything no one is really out there learning anything there are some people doing some good work but there's so much else out there that there's so much fighting within our own country amongst our own people it's scary to think that we haven't learned the lesson that maybe this was an opportunity given to us as horrific as it is to learn some lessons here we haven't learned those lessons and oh my goodness are we going to have to go through something else to try to learn them the next time i mean you know Uh it's it's been it's been quite the, the journey Oh, it certainly has, and I, I'm afraid you're right. We're we're not learning very well. Although I like to think that there are many, many examples of people who are in fact uh, standing uh-huh. up and learning and and being a bit humbled. I think uh, one of the the effects of this uh, virus in our country will be to I hope teach us a bit of humility and to see our place in the world a little bit more clearly and to give up this sense of uh, entitlement and we're the best country in the world and and this American exceptionalism, which I think hurts us so badly. Um, Uh So I'm I'm hoping, I guess I have hope that uh, something of that might come out of this crisis. I I am hoping that too. I was just hoping it would be more pronounced instead of being like at a grassroots level. And I guess that's where we all need to start. You know, you start at Mm -hmm. a grassroots level level and it spreads and i'm right. hoping that the new contagion contagion will be you know kindness and peace and love and understanding and compassion for for other people and forgiveness yes yes my goodness but, forgiveness but, that's a huge one let's get that out there you know um doesn't mean you're condoning what someone's doing it just means that okay i can move on from this and i forgive them so that they can have their life and more importantly you in the forgiveness factor that you know you're giving the forgiveness can live yours because Mm -hmm. it's not hurting Mm -hmm. them that you're not forgiving them or are forgiving them they don't even know 
you just can't yes, do it on exactly. your own. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. it affects only you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. I also think that there are voices that you hear, like yours, uh, that are saying these kinds of things more so, I think, than than in the past, uh, maybe with more reason. But at the same time, I, I do think there are some very ho- hopeful and holistic and kind, generous voices like your own that are out there more and more. I, at least I... Uh, maybe I'm fooling myself, but at least I like to think that that's the case. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, because you do hear on the news of these, this, this group did this, and this neighborhood did that, and, and I'm thinking, okay, that's right. small, that's small. We got to get it more global. It's got to be bigger. You know, so I just pray yeah. to God. You know, I mean, I was brought up Catholic, so I still do the prayer thing. I still say a rosary every night. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh uh-huh. my God, okay. I can't believe like, these parts of this are still with me, but with all okay. sincerity. You know, yeah. and I just pray that there will be, you know, peace because we couldn't come together as as a, we can't come together as a country. How do we expect to come together as a world, you know? Exactly, yeah. We, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, I think, the hope of so many people these days is, uh, and hopefully it'll, it'll be a groundswell and it'll grow and grow and grow and we'll uh, find like-minded people uh, and uh, make, make the energy grow by contributing to it. Yes. And just do it quickly. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to yeah. ask you, you know, what do you find? It, it, because you've written the book and you've talked, spoken to a lot of people, and, and you talk about this all the time. So, what do you find to be the strongest motivating factor that will help someone to practice stopping? Is there a, a strong motivating factor that you've noticed? Uh you know, if I had to put it in a word, just in my own experience, I would say the strongest motivating factor is the feeling of pain. Oh. People are feeling a lot of pain in their life, and I don't mean necessarily physical pain. I mean uh, emotional pain, spiritual pain. And I think that's the motivator. People people are hurting. There's a lot of people that are hurting badly. Uh, the statistics show us that all the time, the negative statistics, mental health statistics, suicide statistics, and all of that. But but just look around you. Uh, people are hurting. Many, many, many of us are in uh, in some kind of pretty bad pain. And I think that's what brings us to our knees, so to speak. Um, it brings us to say, okay, what what's important? What... Uh, what what about the big questions of life? What can I do about those? And uh, that's where I offer stopping. That's why I think stopping is so good because it gives you access to what you really do believe about the bigger questions in life. Why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? What do I what do I want them to write on my gravestone? What 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 do I want them to say at my funeral? That kind of thing. And uh, when you when you think in those terms, um, uh, you 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 are much much more open to stopping. So I would say fear and pain, and especially in our culture, the fear of death, the fear yeah. of suffering and fear of death. Where where we avoid that topic like crazy, and give all put all kinds of euphemisms around it and uh, use different words for it, but. You know, it's something we all need to face, and I believe very firmly that the the more you face your own your own special specific death in life, uh, the, the the happier that death will be, uh, and the more you avoid it, uh, the more painful it will be. 
So again, yeah. that's so that's so countercultural. That's not what <laughs> that's not what we're brought up. That's not what's in the air we breathe or the food we eat because it's the opposite is there. Mm, it's true. You know, I think it's China. I think it's China. I'm not sure. I could be wrong on this. I know there's a country. <laughs> I thought it was China, where uh-huh. they cry when a child is born and they celebrate when a person passes because yeah. you made it through. You know, yeah. and now you get to move yeah. on to something better because this a lot of people refer to as this is this is hell. You know, it's yeah. uh, Earth is not a it's not an easy easy journey here. It's not. You know, yes. and, yeah. Uh, in, in the in the Catholic tradition, it's often called the Veil of Tears. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, true. exactly. It is. I mean, we all we all have that kind of suffering. So, so I think that's what really brings most people to say, okay, tell me about this. What what can this do for me? Yeah, I think you're right. Pain and fear. Yeah, two two really big, big items. Yeah. Right, right. One of the things that 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 stopping can help us with is is the giving us the gift of attention, um, of really really uh, paying attention as much as possible to what is happening. It's it's another way of saying mindfulness, I guess. Yeah. But to really look at. The, the moment to look at the scene outside your window, to be present to the person. One of the practices I like to encourage people to do is, is when you're uh, and would do something most of us do every day is buy something at a store, uh, although not so much these days. Anyway, you're, say you're going to a store and buying the, a magazine or a newspaper or, or whatever, and as you're, as you're leaving and paying for it is to look the person in the eye, the, the salesperson or the cashier, look him or her in the eye, say thank you, and hold their gaze for just a moment. That's, that's the gift of attention. That's saying, yes. I see you, I see you, I thank you, we're having a, a, a brief but pleasant exchange, and then we go about our days. And if we treat so everybody funny, like that. It's so funny you say that, because I tell people all the time, the, the, the real secret to life is gratitude. That's the secret yeah. to life. It's very simple. And if yeah. you go into a store, you have no idea what that clerk has been through, what news they may have received, where they are in their life at this moment. But I if when they hand you the change or the receipt or whatever, you just look. I, I use the exact same analogy. I say if you just look at them for a moment and look mm-hmm. at them and sincerely say thank you, don't throw the thank you behind you because that's just an obligatory thank you. That means nothing. But right, when you say right. it sincerely and you look at them and you say thank you, have a good day, yeah. They will get that you're talking to them, and they will yes, feel they will. it. Yeah, they, they will. They will know it. No, none of they us will. And acknowledge that. people. You know, acknowledge people when they do something good. When we, we hear about all the stuff that we do that people don't like, but nobody really gives us the accolades we deserve when we do something good, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you just say thank you, that's all you need to do is say thank mm-hmm. you. It's a very simple so prayer. So true, so true. Gratitude is so, so basic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. We are almost at the top of the hour, David. It flew. <laughs> Do you have any yes. final thoughts? <laughs> uh, no, just to accept thank you for uh, having me on, and I encourage your listeners to uh, get involved in some kind of process of stopping for their own life, and um, it's been great being with you. Well, thank you so very much. And your book, The Art of Stopping, How to Be Still When You Have to Keep Going, is the way to learn how to do this. 
And you can get this book. I'm presuming you can get it online at Amazon and uh, any of the lo- your local bookseller as well. It just came out recently. So, you know, it's available. It's a great book. It's got a lot of information in it. You will truly enjoy reading it because it will, you know, sometimes you laugh when you see things. You go, oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh, exactly. It's entertaining the recognition, well. yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Well, we appreciate you being here. And if you would, stay on the line until I finish the outro, and I'll speak with you in the green room. Is that okay? Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you don't, won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share the knowledge, joy, and love by sending the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy therapy session of your choice, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Also, please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, no stipends, no compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes for meals, coats, health care, whatever is needed, so all children have a chance for a good life. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, sojihuggles.org. Please follow us on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. And while you're in your social media accounts doing whatever it is that you do, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, E-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>